Welcome to the Proud to be Profane podcast, your initiation into the ways of the square to resurrect the wretch and pee on the all-seeing pyramid of Illuminati enlightenment. And now, here's your host, Mr. Michael Joseph. Welcome to the Proud to be Profane podcast. We are back from a long hiatus, and we just had to sing it out because we're having a grand triumphant return or something like that. And things have been revamped, retooled, and reloaded. Now admittedly, some of you are not going to like the way it's been revamped and reloaded, but maybe some will find it refreshing. I don't know, we'll see. But it's just the way it's gotta be. So what's going to happen? We are going to make the podcast a little more eclectic, a little more solo-wittified, combining two words there, because there will be more solo shows, as much as that might be displeasing to some people who think I'm a huge tool and only like the guests. Sorry. But we will still have guests on, on occasion, though the format will also be distributed into other sub-segments, let's call them. And there will also be paid members content, and so a first hour free will be available to everyone who's been subscribed or listened before, but if you want the second hour, you gotta pay, and we'll explain all the details here. Dude, that's totally lame. You're gonna, like, charge for this? Truth should be, like, totally free, bruh. Ah, I was an idealist once, too, and I used to believe that, but unfortunately, if you want the podcast to exist, this is how it's gotta be. And we gotta drop one more bomb on you, and this will probably send those remaining running for the hills as well. But... Staying true to the theme of being profane, as the Freemasons would deem it. Well, I am now back at the Roman Catholic Church. Yes, the shit show of the Roman Catholic Church and blasphemy to people in the truther world. But also totally lame and backwards, bringing people back to the Dark Ages in the quote-unquote Matrix world. You can't win either way, but if you truly want to pee on the all-seeing pyramid of Illuminati enlightenment, then this is what you gotta do. So to those still remaining who want initiation into the ways of the square, stick around. Alright, so, to those who did not run off after the hard sayings in the introduction... Welcome. Now, if you want to skip straight to the details on the podcast and how to sign up, how much it is, and what's in store, go to the description below with whatever medium you are watching or listening to this with, and I'll provide the time marker to skip over this introductory monologue, which I will go into here, to speak freely, poetically, metaphorically, symbolically and truthfully on where I'm at now and where things are going with the content in the future. So let's begin.
and being in the spirit of one of the segments that will be reoccurring on the podcast, the idea of Catholic alchemy, taking occult principles and transmuting them, well, I feel like the introduction is kind of like the Baphomet. It's kind of scary, right? Paid content. You got to pay some money. Roman Catholicism. Whoa, that's the Dark Ages. Don't want to go back to that. And not as many guests. So you got to deal with me a little more often. But if those three ugly monsters have not scared you off and you're braving your further initiation into the ways of the square, as we call it, well, let's dig in. And as you may have noticed, the intro is a little bit different. And there's a few different ways of being quote-unquote profane. Obviously, the main reason that I use that for this podcast was to shit on Freemasonry, but also to use profane words like I just did. Now, the reason I took away the dropping a few F-bombs is because I'm trying to get away from that, trying to clean up my language a little bit. Now, granted, you're still probably going to hear some S-bombs at least. That's really hard for me to purge. But I'm trying not to drop the F-bomb, right? Fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. If you grew up watching A Christmas Story around the holidays like I did, you'll get the reference. But we'll still be peeing on the all-seeing pyramid because that's kind of the point of being back in the Roman Catholic Church. Freemasonry is one of its mortal enemies. And I know there's a lot of things in Freemasonry that are attractive, things I can even agree with, and a lot of broad concepts that I think there's no problem applying them to things. But that's the issue. Things aren't as clearly defined, and when you read between the lines, such as we did in the new members' content for Schism 206 Research with the 30th chapter of Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, it becomes pretty obvious that Freemasonry is inherently in opposition to Roman Catholicism, like so many other viewpoints, but Freemasonry is what spawned the Enlightenment principles of which are so ingrained into us today, especially in the West. And it is those principles which has made us believe that the Dark Ages of the Catholic Church are something we should never, ever, ever entertain going back to, right? Those Dark Ages were not a free-thinking thought ever happened, and if it did, there was a Dominican or a Jesuit there ready to burn you at the stake and turn you into the Inquisition, right? That's the Black Legend. But if you went through the Occult Catholicism series, you'll know that that interpretation is a little suspect. And that's the point of the intro change. So, not being afraid to embrace the Dark Ages, or resurrect the wretch, the latter being a reference to Augustine Barwell's Memoirs of Jacobinism, exposing the Enlightenment philosophes for their sordid behavior behind the scenes, to try to usurp Catholic France and become the new aristocracy by promoting a bunch of bullshit and pretty much engaging in all of the behavior that quote-unquote truthers complain about with the American empire today, 
and the so-called elite who rule over us. And even if you don't like the Catholic Church, even on its own terms, you reject it. If you can't see the problem with the Enlightenment principles and how they were conceived in enmity and creating proxy warriors to destroy an enemy, well, you're not going to be much better off. So this is the direction everything is going in. Trying to expose the Enlightenment principles for what they are and do the same for Protestantism, which basically spawned the Enlightenment principles because they came out of the Protestant nations and they all have the same angry beast attached to them against the Roman Catholic Church, but of course they ironically call the Catholic Church the beast. So the point is, if you're going to rebel against the Catholic Church, fine. But if you become the new aristocracy and the same standards of which you judge the old world church are applied to you, well, how well do you stack up? And in almost all the instances that I've looked at, they haven't stacked up very well for the Protestants and the Masons in terms of the types of sordid things that they have unleashed into the world because of their ideals and their principles. So that is the theme moving forward. Now, there's a lot of other things that go with that, dealing with Judaism, dealing with Islam, dealing with the different left and right dialectics of all of these groups, also dealing with other Christian brethren, such as Eastern Orthodox, and of course, maintaining one of our main focuses on occultism and secret societies and how this all ties into these things. I'm certainly going to be backing off from a lot of the occult stuff in terms of analyzing the crazy symbolism and gamatria and stuff like that of world events or different types of mundane affairs, but we're not going to get away from that stuff entirely. It's just going to be allocated to a more specific purpose or focus depending upon like I was talking about before, the sub-segments of the podcast and also the members' content of the new Schism 206 research website, which I'll talk about as well because that is one way you will get the paid content for the podcast. So, speaking of which, let's talk about the website now that we've explained the deep esoteric meaning of Proud to be Profane and also putting in the number two instead of the letters two because it makes it a lot more lame. And that's kind of keeping up with the hokiness of it in a way because I like the podcast to just have fun at the same time. We're talking about some serious stuff on occasion, but we want to keep it lighthearted. And I like joking around and doing my douchey radio voice. So this gives me an opportunity to do that. When I do the hardcore research, when I do the different series, whether it be the whiteboard or slides in a voiceover, I have to kind of keep that contained a little bit. But when I'm on the podcast, I like the balance of seriousness and silliness and being able to have a little bit of fun and a little bit of free flowing that I don't have to feel so bound to all of these scholarly research confines and crazy sourcing and looking through all these details, blah, 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 blah. This is where we bring it all together in the big picture and be a little jovial about it. 
be a little more Jupiterian or Venusian. We certainly don't want to neglect the Saturnine or Martian, but that is not as much the focus. So for you esoterically minded folk, you'll know what I'm talking about there. So enough on all that. I keep digressing. Sorry, just something I do. Let's talk about the website itself. It's called Rockstar Esoterica. Now, perhaps you could extract some deep esoteric meaning from that as well. But the reason I called it that is because, one, my old business, which I still participate in, had Rockstar in its namesake and the logo, which you will see, which is a caricature of myself and how I perceive myself to be, but perhaps not so much the reality. Either way, rocking out to a guitar, drew a little picture, colored it in in Photoshop, and that's the extent of my artistic abilities. So me being a musician, that's the obvious layer of this. The surface narrative, if you will, for the exoteric-minded. Not the super-secret advanced way that is only reserved for a select intellectually advanced few or is that just what we tell ourselves to make us feel super important probably more that but the music part is obviously an aspect of my life not so much on the forefront of things now more on the back burner i still have plans to try to do things with that maybe we'll talk about that a little more at the end and perhaps an unintended way of looking at it is the idea of the Catholic Church, the Rock of Peter, as much as people will dispute that to their dying breath, that might be something you could weave into that as well. Trying to shine a bit more in the eyes of the Creator, although doing that makes you very not popular with a lot of people. And as cheesy as that analogy is, I'd say it works. And thinking about the idea of rock stars today in the Crowleyan sense and embracing the Aeon of Horus, where every man and every woman is a star on their Facebook page, where they act like children, right? This is the era of the child with no real morality, no old world, dark ages, dogmatic, saturnine authority telling you what the objective truth is. Now you make it up yourself, and you can present whatever version of yourself you'd like on Facebook. And we also have these stars in Hollywood to model ourselves after. So when you got Kim Kardashian with her butt and boobs hanging out, you can do that on Facebook too. If you got it, flaunt it. That's pretty much the creed of the modern world, the millennial generation and beyond, right? This is the new dogma. So, is that something that has been designed to screw your life up, destroy culture, and enslave you? While at the same time using the Enlightenment buzz terms to project all of that onto the Catholic Church and the old world saying that religion or dogma is enslavement or some sort of sexual morality is enslavement and fascist and all that repression just leads to all the bad stuff, right? Or did they know what they were talking about? And since people don't listen to that at all anymore, that's exactly what it is. 
But go ahead and keep engaging in your scapegoat ritual and projecting all of your blame, all of your bad stuff, all the things you're doing yourself onto the quote-unquote creator of Western civilization. See how it goes for you. It might be fun for a while. You might be a star on Facebook or the YouTubes or whatever. But how long is it going to last? Is it sustainable? You can go have your Burning Man rave in the desert for two weeks. But how long can you keep it up? So that covers the rock star part. Let's talk about the esoterica. And I decided to call it this because one, I just think it looks real good going www.rockstaresoterica.com. It just looks aesthetically pleasing to me. That's actually one of the main reasons. But I wanted it to be somewhat cohesive to what I do. And so, the definition of esoterica. Esoteric or highly specialized subjects or publications. And I'd say that kind of fits the bill, right? Not so many people are interested in all the types of things that we've gone over on the Schism 206 channel. This is certainly not to be egotistical about it or act like, oh, we're so great because we look at these deeper things. No, all this stuff can screw you up and ruin your life. <laughs> and a lot of people just aren't designed to handle it. And sometimes I question whether I'm designed to handle it myself. But either way, I'm at the point where I've gone too far not to go any further and you can't unsee certain things. And that is why at least going into the Roman Catholicism, I think that it puts the right restrictions and borders on such things or gives you better guidelines to stay in the realm of sanity. Or at least when you're in the realm of insanity, you can deal with it in a sane way. Let's put it that way. Because in the quote-unquote truther world or alternative media, there's a lot of crazy stuff. A lot of paranoia, a lot of claims being made without much substantiation, a lot of personal subjective speculation. And hey, don't get me wrong, I like doing that too. I like speculating on this or that. I like being open to different ideas. I like questioning the nature of reality. But when does that openness ironically put you in a box where you're in the cult of openness where you don't want to settle on any specific quote-unquote dogma or truths even though you say that you're a truther? It's kind of a contradiction. So there needs to be a balance of some set anchoring points and then you can speculate on things within those borders and decide what's within them and what's without them. Again, the whole point of me being back within Roman Catholicism. And I'm going to speculate a lot within what that all means too. That's how I roll and that's not going to change. And despite anybody in the alternative media hating Christianity and Protestantism, which is the predominant type of Christianity that you'll find in the truther world, well, they're still doing the same thing. They're still their own little pope, right? You get to make up reality. You can design the universe to your own understanding and promote it. And if you're a charismatic person, you can probably gain a little following on YouTube, just like the people in the truther world bash these celebrities like the Lady Gagas or the whoever's as being these people who are put out there to mislead the masses. But are we just tempted or seduced into doing the same thing? 
And ultimately, the truther world or alternative media just ends up being a deeper layer of a Protestant Masonic shit show that are the same principles that drive the quote-unquote matrix shit show, where everything is just relative to how you want it to be. But you can always unify on this idea that there's a bad group of elites out there that want to hold you back, even though nobody can really pin down who it is or exactly what they're doing, or people can't agree on what to do about it. And thus, a lot of people end up just becoming its own agents without knowing it. And that's exactly how it all works. So when you start out, you can all unify talking about how 9-11 was a deception, the media lies, there's bad stuff in our food or our water, and there's perhaps false flags or hoax events, all kinds of stuff. But once you get past that, where do you go? And that's where everybody starts spreading in different directions. But are some of those different directions actually dialectics leading to the same place and they all unify on being anti-something that is perhaps a solution to these new world order woes. And that was the point of the occult Catholicism series and everything unifying on the Catholic Church still being part of the control system, the beast, evil, the Illuminati, the Rothschild, the elite banking bloodlines or Jews or whatever it might be. Not to mention lumping that all in with the Freemasons and Jesuits as being the same thing. Which, once you do a little bit of research, that position becomes totally absurd. And you start realizing that things are no different. And once things evolve, quote-unquote, out of that, the people who are in these circles end up promoting things like History doesn't exist. There's a mud flood. There's the Mandela effect. We live in a simulation. There are no forests on flat earth. We're all just consciousness and divine light having a human experience of which will return to the ultimate source. And if you do a lot of yoga, that will speed up the process. Or go to some ayahuasca retreat and you'll realize we're all one with nature War is bad, religion's bad, and everything that the hippies said in the 1960s, yet people will be exposing the 1960s for social engineering, but promoting the same damn principles that were attached to it. Are you just caught up in the all-devouring Ouroboros of revolution without any clarity in sight? So despite the esoterica being involved in a lot of that, our definition of it is a little bit different. Which is that perhaps there is a select body of knowledge that has been hidden from people in both the exoteric and esoteric world. And there has been a veil put on the lady of the mother church of old Europe. And there are archons and powers and principalities that are working in tandem to try to keep you from understanding this deep wisdom submerged within the soul of European Christendom. And this is very similar to the Baphomet. If we completely reverse the context of the occult alchemy, where you're purging the quote-unquote lead of the old world, 
We'll just reverse it. There's been this ugly beast presented to you that is perhaps fake, false. It's to turn away the quote-unquote profane from this secret old Europe knowledge. And it gives you this ugly scapegoat to look at and run away in fear into all these other viewpoints that just swallow you up into the serpent Ouroboros of so-called wisdom and the propaganda terms that are given to help accentuate this ugly old world beast are things like the dark ages and superstition, fanaticism, a thousand years of this darkness and false authority enslaving man and putting him in bondage. And no matter what our viewpoints are, no matter how diverse they might be, let's just all tolerate each other and unify on fighting this ugly beast. And is that the deception? The scapegoat ritual that scares you away from this knowledge of the esoterica. So now that we've extracted an overabundance of symbolism and metaphor from a couple words for a silly little website and dramatically conjured up a bunch of mystery and intrigue. Let's take it from the right brain and go to the left brain and get down to the details, the logistics, bring it back to reality. So the podcast moving forward, let's talk about the paid content. First off, to gain access to it, you can sign up at the Rockstar Esoterica site and you have two options. You can get the podcast only, which is $30 per year. That is a steal of a price because most paid content for podcasts are going to average out being around $60 per year. Or you can become a full member and gain access to all the Schism 206 research, which has three main branches of it along with a forum. And we'll elaborate on that later. But the podcast is included with the full membership. That is $9 a month or $72 per year, which averages out to $6 a month. So the reason for separating these, or at least having the option to, is because the podcast will be dealing with all of the content from the full membership site, but in a much more condensed and broad form. So if you only have so many hours of the day and you either can't or don't want to sit through an entire 90 video Schism 206 series, then this is probably the option for you and it's a lot cheaper. So I wanted to do this to be more accessible to people, but not compromising my integrity because that's usually something that goes hand in hand. Now, as previously mentioned, there will be sort of subcategories for podcasts. So perhaps people might only like one of the categories, but it won't appear frequently. There is an option to buy individual second hour episodes at Podbean. Or if there is a specific guest that people like, but they don't care about the rest of the content, or they really don't care about hearing me talk solo for a few hours on whatever it might be, you can just buy the episodes as they come that interest you. 
And I'm also going to try to set up the $30 a year plan at Podbean. I don't know if it will work. I think I can do both. But if not, there will be individual episodes at Podbean. And to sign up for the full content or podcast only, you'll go to rockstaresoterica.com and deal with it through the member section. And the last thing I'll mention in regards to the payment for the content, if you purchase a podcast only at $30 per year, but you want to become a full member, then you can pay for the full membership and let me know that you were a podcast member and I don't have a problem refunding or discounting some of what you've already paid for the podcast, depending on how long it's been. So if you've been a member for six months, then I'd give you $15 back after you purchase the full membership. But I can only do that once you've done so. I can't discount it so when you pay for the full membership, it takes off the money automatically. The website functions are not that advanced. So if that becomes something you're interested in later, then you can always get in touch with me and let me know. Give me a heads up and we'll figure it out. Now, I've got some videos up on the Schism 206 YouTube channel that explain more of the logistics of the website and dealing with the memberships. So go to that if you are interested. But for now, let's get into what the actual podcast content will be. So we have it divvied up into four main categories and one bonus category. And despite the new formats we're revealing here, we will still be sticking with the old one of having guests. And speaking of which, the first official relaunch episode, this is just kind of like the intro preface one, we will be having the guest Didymus, who has a research channel on YouTube, talking about all kinds of sensitive topics, and we will not shy away from them dealing with aspects of Judaism and Jewish power, and how to navigate that without succumbing to alt-right craziness, but at the same time being honest about things that will probably get you called an anti-Semite by some triggered SJW who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. So that will be your real welcome back show. And the reason I have to change the format a bit is because it's hard to find guests consistently and schedule things, and deal with that whole process. So the guest segment will probably be more a once-a-month endeavor, depending. And I have a bunch of different guests that I would like to get and I will reach out to, and maybe have a couple back that have already been on the show previously. We'll see what happens, but there will be guests. That is not changing, just the frequency of which they occur will be changing. Moving on, let's talk about some of the solo episodes and why I decided to adopt this format. It's not because I'm some egotistical dude who just needs the spotlight and needs to be the star of the show, or at least I'd like to think that I try not to be like that. Everyone's got their own struggles with that, no matter what, especially in this day and age of putting yourself out there on the internets. But despite any subconscious aspects of that that might come out, my consciousness is not geared towards that. And so one of the main segments will be 
the research sharing segment. And since my research is going much more in the historical direction of things, we might pull out one of those pseudo-Masonic wordplay motifs and call it his story, which is something utilized by most people to try to discredit and not trust history at all and go all Anatoly Fomenko with it. But we're not going to go that far. We will question things, but I think the actual deception more lies in the narrative itself rather than things being outwardly fabricated in some grandiose sense. I'm not saying there can never be fabrications, but on the whole, I think it's more about controlling the narrative, just like the news media tries to do today. How much news is actually completely fake and how much of it is the narrative being fake, but there are actually real people, real events involved. And the spin on those stories is what matters. Now, I know it's very tempting to just dismiss it all and say, how can we really know? I wasn't there. Why should I trust any of this or that? But then you're stuck in the box of openness, not having anything to grasp onto. And I think once you start looking at history, at least from the Catholic perspective and giving it a fair shake, it will start to make a lot of things make sense, whether you become an adherent or supporter of Roman Catholicism or not, despite any of your sympathies or hostilities to the Catholic Church, it is a central story, a central theme to Western civilization that you cannot ignore. And I think that's what's so dangerous in the alternative media when people try to pull a Fomenko and say, we can't trust any of this, let's just throw it all out or throw out this thousand years, whatever it might be. I think that that is a grave mistake. You can do it if you'd like. You can be a full-on supporter of the Fomenko theory. I'm not going to stop you. Do what you want to do. I don't really care. But I think that there's some red flags that you should consider when adopting something like that. And we talked about that in Occult Catholicism in our own special segment on Fomenko. But that aside, I think the other important part of quote-unquote his story with the Catholic Church is presenting how the Catholics would look at it through God's hand moving throughout human history. Now, whether you believe in God or not, or you believe in some God but not the Catholic understanding of God, I'm saying set that aside. It doesn't matter. Looking at it through the perspective of the Catholic understanding of God and applying it to history, I think is of great benefit whatever you believe about it. You can completely reject it, but I think you really need to understand the perspective itself. And obviously, I am an adherer to that perspective on some level. It can be a bit broad in terms of the macro concepts applying to history of how God might view this or work within human affairs or the alleged understanding of that. Regardless of if that's where I'm at with it, I think that there's a lot of good logical reasons to support that position. You might disagree, but you should probably be aware of it because it is rooted in the soul of European history. So that little tangent aside, the research or quote-unquote his story sub-segment of the podcast will be taking the books that I've gone through, 
along with the actual research series that I've made for the members content and condensing them into single podcasts. So the benefit of this for you is getting hundreds and hundreds of pages of reading condensed into two hours. I would say this is something similar to what Jay Dyer does, where he might read a book and then do a little book report on it. But I'd like to give it my own individual flair or coloring or filter to it based upon a similar model. So for the people who don't care about the footnotes, the source reading being given that on page 365, this book says this and doing all this hardcore sourcing, some people just don't give a shit about that. And I totally sympathize. There's only so many hours in a day. And that really only applies to the people who want to do more in-depth research. So I'm not saying that there's any sort of elitism here for people who don't want that. Because obviously when I started this, it was because I heard a lot of YouTube videos and podcasts talking about things. And when I actually read the books or the topics they were talking about, there seemed to be a lot of distortions and a lot of things that were completely the opposite of what was being promoted. And I'm not saying that to be mean or accuse anybody of being disinfo. It's just the nature of being in the alternative media. We don't have the luxury of academia and paid salaries. We have to do this all on our own time and our own terms. And so I'm trying to do the hardcore in-depth stuff because I have the means to do it where some other people can't. And hopefully it will be helpful for people. And that is why I need the paid content to be able to sustain that. So that will be one of the main benefits of signing up for the membership to get the second hour. And I'll just reveal a few of the different books and topics that I will get into on the podcast in the very near future. And I think the first one I will do is on the book The Cathars by Malcolm Barber. Because I think that this movement that led to the Albigensian Crusade is very relevant to so many things that are promoted in both the esoteric and exoteric world and dealing with the idea of heresy, crusades, all these buzzwords that everyone shivers with fear because they must be so evil and awful and representing the Dark Ages. But what was really going on with these groups? And the ironic thing is that there's a lot of opposing worldviews that will appeal to the Cathars in either a realistic way or a romanticized way simply because the Catholic Church had a problem with them. And so you'll have people involved in Nazism that was tied to more of the esoteric theosophical type of rhetoric who will try to draw upon a nostalgia for the Cathars, whether it's real or imagined, but on the flip side of the coin, you'll have Jewish liberals that are tied to secular anti-Nazism, where they call anything they don't like Nazis or fascists, and they'll appeal to the Cathars as being a representative force of their spirit. So the most opposing ideologies ever, secular liberalism in the West and Nazism, are doing the same thing, taking the Cathars and trying to mythologize it to support 
and promote their own worldview. Isn't that strange? And what's the unifying factor of this dialectic? Well, it's that the Catholic Church is bad, evil, and repressive and part of the Dark Ages. So this is what people in the alternative media identify as the Hegelian dialectic. Yet people in the alternative media still do it because I see a lot of people romanticizing the Cathars, especially in the more New Age or occult type worldviews that are promoted within the truther world. So that's the importance of it. And it's a really crazy story. And it's not that the Roman Catholic Church never did anything hostile or bad or have some sort of extremity to this Albigensian crusade. But were there legit reasons for it? And despite any of these unfortunate byproducts of such a crusade, was it actually a greater good on the whole, suppressing some things that in reality, the alternative media and the quote-unquote truther world would find despicable? And that's the trick, right? Romanticizing something and calling it good, but the reality of it is... It's the opposite of what you think it is, even by your own standards of criteria. So that is probably the first research segment we will get into. There are some other books I'll just touch upon really briefly. One's called The Age of Secrecy by Daniel Jute, which is about the secret society activity of Kabbalistic Jews in the Old World Empire, specifically from 1400 to 1800. So this is really interesting in regards to alchemy, occult magic, espionage, and Kabbalah, and the types of Christian aristocracy that was either entertaining it, fully submerged in it, or outright rejecting it, and the types of impacts that it had, but again, in a much more hidden way, hence the age of secrecy. I also wanted to talk about the John D. and Empire of Angels book by Jason Louvre, which we mentioned in Occult Catholicism. This is very much in line with the Age of Secrecy book we just talked about. All the same themes apply. It's just more specific to John D. I'll probably also bring in E. Michael Jones's chapter on John D. from Jewish Revolutionary Spirit to support that information. I also wanted to go into the book Transatlantic Anti-Catholicism. I mentioned that in the Occult Catholicism series as well. At that time, I had not read it. Now I have finished the book. And I think that that is very revelatory in regards to the Protestant influence on America and how things completely shifted into what was acceptable in the liberal tradition and what was tolerance and progress, all the buzz terms we still use today, and everything that that embodied in the 19th century has completely flipped in the 20th century. But the ironic thing is the narrative against the Catholic Church has also flipped. And is it more propaganda just to suit the times? And it evolves based upon the subjective nature of the Protestants interpreting their scripture, be it the Bible or now the Masonic liberal democratic principles, the Constitution divine scriptures of the Declaration of Independence and everything that the United States was founded upon. 
So that is a very interesting revealing book that will talk a lot about Jesuit conspiracies and all kinds of crazy propaganda. I also wanted to go through the information in the Pike Templars series, which is locked and loaded and ready to go on the Rockstar Esoterica website and members section. Roughly 80 videos going into a whole new set of research on Freemasonry, its relationship to the Catholic Church, the revolutions throughout Europe, and specifically the 19th century, which I think is a key time period to understand what's going on today. And all we really get from the history in the West on the 19th century is the Civil War happened, slavery was bad, Abraham Lincoln was good, and that guy Napoleon did some stuff in Europe, and that's about it, right? But there's so much more going on outside of that. And it would kind of be important to know, I would think, yet we're never really taught these things or they're not promoted, they're not in our consciousness they are hidden in the realm of the esoteric. And some other themes from this series, besides the revolutions in masonry, are the rise of the Rothschild, dealing with Nazi propaganda, dealing with what I call the quote-unquote truther tree, where there are things that are promoted in the truther world that source back to a key figure who is promoting some stuff that might have some faulty foundations, but it is affecting all of the fruits of which are being handed out in the alternative media today. But are there some rotten dead worms within this fruit, even though it looks like a nice shiny apple, not to appeal too much to biblical symbolism, but I think the metaphor rings true, whether you believe Adam and Eve to be a real story or event either way the catholic understanding still has deep metaphor and symbology attached to it and of course none of this would be complete without going into some jesuit fear porn propaganda that gets into the realm of the absurd with people like lola montez who we will talk about her story the ultimate agent of seduction to destroy a catholic monarch outside of Marilyn Monroe and John F. Kennedy, which we've talked about in the JFK assassination and occult series. We'll talk a bit about Martin Luther, his legacy, and all of the deep, dark things associated with that, which are not outwardly taught in the Whig wasp history. And also, I'd like to get into... Henry Kamen's book, The Spanish Inquisition. I always say Chris Kamen... He's an NBA basketball player or a former one. For some reason, that's always in my head when I say it, when I hear the word Cayman, whatever. That's the dude, Henry Cayman. We talked a bit about that book in Occult Catholicism. And also Memoirs of Jacobinism, having finished that book. Four volumes, 850 pages. There's probably a lot we can extract despite having it in condensed form. Maybe there might be a few episodes about that. We'll see. So those are just some of the things on the horizon of the research his story section of the podcast. Next, we will talk about the Catholic alchemy section. I'll probably call it the astrotheology because 
we'll be doing things similar to what we did in occult Catholicism when we went through the alchemy section and the astrology section at the end. And taking all of these ideas in the New Age, occult, Masonic, Theosophical, Kabbalistic traditions and trying to figure out what are the broad concepts that are compatible with Catholicism, what types of things would be purged, sort of the reverse alchemy as all of these traditions teach it, and then applying it to society, different social trends, movements, current events, and from the Catholic perspective of history, with the idea of God's hand moving within it and really beginning in its most important sense after the crucifixion and resurrection with the merging of the Greek Hellenistic world and the Jewish world now having no difference between Gentile or Jew or Greek or Jew. Yet when certain groups still think there's a distinction or a difference or an inequality there, perhaps that causing a lot of problems. But setting that aside, I think that's a good analogy with what we're trying to do here with the Catholic alchemy. Taking these two seemingly opposite things, yet God has deemed them to go together, you just need to find the proper harmonies and purge the proper quote-unquote sins or errors. And so that will be part of the astrotheology segment. And much of this will be derived from Schism 206 members content, which is tied to a weekly series that is an hour video each week going into the Catholic Alchemist mindset. And that is the name of it, the Catholic Alchemist series. That will be a lot more in depth and Obviously, the podcast episodes based upon it will summarize a lot more of the detailed information that will be released weekly within the full membership content. Moving on, we are going to do the sister series or counterpart to this Catholic Alchemist series and condense things or ideas taken from what I call the Day of Rest series. The namesake of that is because it's released on Sunday, the Day of Rest, where we go through Catholic commentary and teaching as the counterpart to the astrotheology and doing the same thing but focusing more strictly on the Catholic teaching or the Jewish elements that are the real Judaism, as the Catholics would understand it, whereas the Catholic alchemist is focusing more on the pagan concepts but doing the purging of it but that is the difference the shift in consciousness to the focus whereas astrotheology the solar nature is about the occultism the reflection or the lunar aspect is about the jewish catholic theology of it the idea of a personal god intervening in our lives and human history Obviously, that being at odds with the impersonal deity of the cosmos and the Greek Hellenism. So we're fusing that all together there. But in the Catholic Day of Rest series, we're focusing on the reverse, right? The solar projected consciousness of the series is on Catholic teaching and commentaries on the Bible. And we will be peripherally reflecting that back with the lunar nature with some of the occultism when it is appropriate. But is it ultimately the same light? Now, obviously, 
that would be a problem for certain people in the flat earth cosmology thinking that the moon gives off a different light you can go there if you want but we're going to stick with the geocentric old world catholic church teaching and that is another aspect we'll get into in the research at some point and will be fused throughout the catholic alchemist series to varying degrees and tentatively the podcast version of this for the catholic commentary will be called it ain't dogma but it's based on it meaning i'm going to throw some ideas out there give some personal observations different applications of these catholic principles and also offer resources as to different debates and arguments that you might encounter if you're interested in catholicism and go through some of the stuff that's tougher to deal with right maybe even playing devil's advocate against catholicism because the reality is within catholic quote-unquote dogma that mean word that everyone again shivers with fear the idea of dogma don't be dogmatic don't be rigid don't be saturnian and authoritarian that leads to things like the holocaust i can already see the liberal freakout happening in my mind i'm visualizing it now there's an angry lady in Times Square screaming, No! That old chestnut. Anyways, digressing a bit. But that's the point. There's a lot of things that are debated, and there isn't a clear assertion of them as to how it actually is supposed to be. But there's probably some more rational ways or more tenable positions within all of that. So like I said, this will be talking about some of the tough stuff, the idea of heaven and hell, the idea of the Old Testament God being a meanie face, the idea of sexual morals and ethics, the idea of supernatural realities, and everything that goes with it, everything that people have a problem with. With Catholicism, these are some things that might get into, and I'll give my own personal flair dealing with it all but it will be based upon objective material so hence it ain't dogma coming from me these are my views on it but it's based on the debates around dogma whether you believe that dogma to be true or not either way it's still an important factor in our entire western civilization being based upon it for at least a thousand years and the last thing I'll say about it is there is an avenue of focus that I like to utilize when dealing with all of the Catholic teaching, and that's through the lens of a more psychological or sociological analysis, meaning that sometimes when people adhere to a particular idea based upon a particular doctrine or dogma or something in the Bible, there tend to be some patterns of the psychological state of people. And I think that that can be telling in and of itself, especially for people like me who don't understand all this fancy advanced theology. If you're like me and your eyes glaze over when people debate about filioques and essences and energies and hypostatic unions and all that kind of stuff, well, you're kind of at the mercy of just going on your intuition. Right? If you don't understand those things, then you got to figure out a different route of at least formulating some sort of opinion on them, right? Because it is still relevant 
these debates are always happening. It's kind of like dealing with physics and math, right? We're told these things that we're supposed to believe based upon physics and math. And if I don't understand all the advanced physics and math, then I'm at the mercy of what I'm being told, right, by these authorities. Now, I'm not saying you're supposed to just reject authority outright and never think that they can be right on any of these things. You have to have some humility and realize that you don't understand these things. But I think that there's some ways of applying a psychological or sociological analysis and how people promote these things and the basic vibe of it all that they put out that you can make some more educated or what's the word I'm looking for? Sensible decisions upon matters which you can't understand. And that's similar to my approach of history, where I can't know that somebody who wrote down some documentation of the time was being completely accurate with everything. But assuming that there is a reality to it on some level, despite any potential biases, I think that looking at people's present day reactions and sympathies or hostilities to particular historical viewpoints or historians or whatever the person's analysis might be in polemicizing or praising or taking a more neutral approach to particular figures, well, you can gauge the buzz and behavior that come from people who adhere to a particular type of historical analysis. So point being, if you get a more Marxist interpretation of history, I think it's interesting when you look back in ancient times in Alexandria or whatever it might be, who do they sympathize with organically, right? This is kind of like Carl Sagan having this enamorment with Hypatia as his muse for the multicultural paradise that he perceived the ancient city of Alexandria to be. So I think that there's an interesting subconscious element to this that is at play where people like me kind of have to go with that to understand what I think about something that on the objective scale of it, the rationale and reason of it is beyond my comprehension. So that's my basic approach to dealing with all of these theological matters and commentary on the Bible, be it Catholic or otherwise, with disputes about quote-unquote doctrine. So that wraps up the four main sub-segments of the podcast. And my goal is to release the guest episode first with Didymus, then go in order. Release a research show, then an astrotheology show, then a Catholic commentary show. And rinse and repeat. Now, there is a final bonus segment, which I'll call off the cuff. So when random things come up, odds and ends, maybe there's a rant or a critique on something, or maybe there's kind of like a joke episode, something that's more rare. Maybe there's a Halloween episode talking about supernatural ghost stuff, experiences. Maybe I'd get a guest on to share their own experiences with weird shit going on. Or the other idea I had was making movie analysis, taking a specific movie, going through all of the occult subconscious themes embedded into it, the programming, the indoctrination, whether intended or just organically manifesting, 
these are all things that I'm interested in doing, but they're probably going to be scattered in randomly throughout. And then lastly, in terms of the guests, obviously I want to have a more researched based version of that where I have different folks on who do particular sets of objective research and give their analysis on it, their take. But maybe I might bring one on who is associated with Catholicism, is some sort of theologian, whoever it might be, if I can get them, they might think I'm a heretic because obviously I find legitimacy with the Catholic astrology within certain strict borders that I apply to it based on Thomas Aquinas. But despite that, I might have some people on for that. I don't know. There's still an element of openness to this. But I'm giving you the fundamental dogmatic structure first of which all of these freedoms will be permeated or embodied or imbued with. So my goal is one podcast episode a week. I will probably pick a day. It's probably going to be Thursday or Friday of which I work on the podcast and then release it. But I might not be able to get to it every single week, depending. I'm not really sure. I have to go with it and see what happens. Because I got a lot of other things to do with the members content research, of which people are paying more money for. So that takes precedence. But the goal is to do it once a week and at least three to four episodes per month while being able to maintain the once a week release of the Day of Rest and Catholic Alchemist series along with the Hardcore Research series, which will be released frequently, but not having a definitive standard for how many episodes and how often. So that wraps it up. You now know all of the future content directions and categories, and we'll kick it off next time with Mr. Didymus discussing Judaism. Judaism.